When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Capital City. This is the Jeff Cameron Show brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in five, four, three, two, one. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. I'm Jeff, that's Tom. There's Director Matthew. Doing it up from the hissy today for technical reasons, but we're all good to go. And excited as ever for Florida State, Miami. Hard to look back on this pit game. We talked about it in the first hour, and I basically gave uh, my monologue there about what I think uh, we should all be excited about for Florida State. Getting back to the ACC championship game, kind of once again, uh, recognizing how far this program has come in the last two years, and it's solidified now that we will be in Charlotte. I thought the, the game on Saturday saw what it means to be a team, to what it means to trust one another, to fight through adversity, to have a roster that has seen the talent floor raised as much as it has to where you could be missing four and five key ingredients on the offensive side of the ball specifically and still win the game comfortably wasn't always pretty, but they found a way to go and do that. And now we all hold our breath. Now we kind of want to see, all right, Keon Coleman, are you back? All right, Johnny Wilson, are you back? All right, offensive line, can you be healthier than you've been? Can we get Akeem Williams back? Can we get another week closer to maybe Destin Hill, who had the one catch in this game, looking more like his self? Um, I will say this, Tom, you and I didn't talk about it in the first hour because we were really looking at what it meant for a program to get this win and to – to stamp their ticket to Charlotte. But I do think it's encouraging that Vendravius Jacobs got out there and had a catch. I also know he got took a shot to the head there and, and left the field. Um, I, I don't know if it's solely a byproduct of desperation that he played because we had uh, depth, art, depth chart issues on the uh, wide receiving core, at the wide receiving core. I think uh, 
I still think they would have held him out. They would not have had to play him if they were still frustrated with him uh, and his consistency. Just leave it at that. Uh, to me, I thought that was a positive sign because I, I don't know about you. I got asked this question the other day, and somebody said, well, you got a glimpse of perhaps what this offense is going to look like without Keon Coleman, without Johnny Wilson. And I said, well, not so fast. In the negative column, I would add, we did have uh, Jordan Travis, and we won't have him next year. <laughs> so you can't say that's how the offense is going to look because it's going to be perhaps, to make your point if you're being negative, even worse without Jordan Travis. On the other hand, I don't think it's a fair comment either on the positive, on the positive side of the ledger because there was no Hakeem Williams out there. You know, th th that was not a healthy Vendravi oh, excuse me, a, a healthy uh, Destin Hill. Uh, you know, you didn't have uh, a healthy offensive line. Um, and and again, Vendravius got knocked out of the game and had to leave. So you, you, you're not seeing what – I don't think Portier looks healthy either, by the way. He had no catches on the three targets there. So there are a lot of guys that are going to be a part of what this offense looks like next year that also weren't in a position to be able to contribute. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Mike Norvell said that in the post game, And actually, I, I was schooled on that by Ira when he came on the postgame show – uh, because I had said maybe a half an hour earlier, man, what a missed opportunity for Kentron that he's held without a catch in a moment like this when you could really use him. Well, Mike Norvell said in his post game that Kentron wasn't 100%. He was limited. No. There's a reason he wasn't in the rotation with the starting receivers. We looked at that in the, in the pregame show, and we saw that the starting receivers across were, were Ja'Kai and Destin and Darion Williamson. You're saying, well, damn, man. Kentron, where are you? Well, he wasn't healthy. And, and if you look at... Florida State's too deep, but we did something last night uh, on the Smash about this. But out of its top nine guys, you know, that were on the depth chart entering the week, two of them were fully healthy. Two out of nine. I mean, that's absurd. Deuce Span didn't have a target in this game. He didn't play in this game. If you saw early on and, and your eyebrows were raised, mine were too. Rodney Hill was your kickoff returner in the opening play of the game. And I'm thinking, where the hell's five? So you're just so depleted top to bottom at wide receiver. Now, the good news is, you recruit and you hit the portal hard at tight end. So you've got a lot of options there. So you can have some workarounds, but Jordan had to put the offense on his back at some point and he couldn't do it with his legs because of the way Pitt was playing a little bit. And you saw that when they ran out of screens and they ran out of quick throws to the running backs in the first half, somebody else was going to have to step up. And I love that it was Jakai. I've been hoping for Jakai to have a game like this at some point. Uh, out of necessity, he did. Over 100 yards, uh, the five catches, I think it was, maybe six. And then the other play of the game, I thought, was uh, towards the end of the first half. It only led to three points. But just for Jordan's confidence, it's a third down, third and long. You're about to punt the ball away again. And he stands in there, traffic bearing down on him, and he hits Kyle Morlock over the middle of the field. Who breaks like, a tackle great. and then, yeah. It's great that Kyle breaks two or three tackles and he gets 63 yards down there. But just talking about from the moment that the quarterback takes the ball and the, yeah. the decisions he has to make about taking contact, trading contact to make a throw, and he does. That's I think that's a big moment to break the dam for Jordan Travis, and, and you saw that play out a little bit more in the second half. So good job all around. You had to fight basically with both arms tied around your back in the passing game. They stacked the box against the run, and you still did plenty to win the game. And if you weren't classy, you would have won that game 31-7 to at the end too. So it, it, was, it was a good performance. I had no question in my mind that Mike was not going to run another play down there, and I was so mad at his wonderful decorum and absolute doing the right thing. 
I was furious because I'm a man with less scruples and would have done the wrong thing to ensure my 30 point streak stays alive. And I would not have apologized for it. Yeah, he did wonderfully on Saturday. Don't don't get me wrong here, but not everything is always 100% one way or the other. You would have gotten to 30, I would imagine, because you wouldn't have called a trick play earlier in the half when you're over midfield, they've quit, and then you're just deciding to break out the LSU flea flicker for some reason. Like what the hell? And then you take a loss of 15. Like, I don't. I think you would have you would have touched into the 30s because we're not going into the bag of tricks when I see that group on the other side has decided to pack it in for the day. I know, and I also take the three points in a game like this down there because I have to tell you that most notably, I know I know what the percentages are. I know what the stats say. I know what. Uh, the analytics tell me that I'm supposed to go for it there, but I'm also capable of reading the room. Points are going to come at a premium today with our banged up team. Mm. We know the statistics about teams that score first. You know about all of the opportunities there to kind of change the, the momentum of a game where maybe this three points somewhere down the way leads to another three points. And you suddenly are putting this into a two score realm instead of a one score realm because you didn't take the points the first go around. And I just, I thought in that moment uh, I would have taken the points. I don't get too upset about that kind of stuff. Mike is – I like that he's aggressive. I think Mike is at the forefront with other coaches and understanding the analytics. I will tell you that we have not successfully run in short-yarded situations on fourth down in a traditional run since all year long. So I don't know why he thought that offensive line was going to make that happen, knowing that Pitt – was going to go ahead and crash against the run. Mm -hmm. I, I think you got to get Jordan out of the pocket there. I never bitch about play calling. I really don't. You guys know this. I, I think the world of Mike as a play caller, I think he's one of the best in the business, period. But I, I did take uh, uh, umbrage with, uh, with, with, with those two moments in the game. I had a problem with it. Where, where did you stand on that? We didn't talk. I, where did you stand on that? Well, we're talking about taking the points versus going for it. The or? first, the, the taking the points and go instead of going for it, and then also the fourth and two call, which never had a chance. Yeah, the, I mean, we know what we can do. We know what we can't do, or at least I thought so. Um, but we tried it anyway. I would take the points there as well. And this is not, you know, after it fails, I hate that play call because it failed things. No. It's, it's. I didn't even know the extent to which the receiving room was was banged up in that moment. I thought it was just no no Johnny, no Keon, and then you're kind of healthy everywhere else. You're not. I mean, Kentron's limited. Destin's clearly playing through an injury at this point. You saw on the broken play later in the game, it's it's a catch for 29 yards, and he has to shift it down from fourth gear to second and a half in order to get to even the, the you know the amount of yards that he got. So basically, all your dudes that you would be counting on are not available. I feel like in that moment, if you can get to 10 to nothing, they're going to pack it in. I and, do too. I do too. You know, and, and that's where the three would come in handy. That's what I mean. I, that would have made it, you could have had a chance later to make that a two score game if you take the three there. Yeah. Like he gets, like he's, he's putting faith in his defense and he's right to like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The process is correct if you're fully healthy. I agree with that call. If you're fully healthy, all right, go for it. The play call, I probably wouldn't call if you're fully healthy, but you know what? It's got a better chance if Johnny and Keon are on the field because they're going to play that honest. But yeah, but they're not. But they're not because they're not on the field. So. And you knew that. You knew that when you put the play in. Yeah, it just it just <laughs> felt like if you get to ten, you know, that they were they were ready to. The students were. The margin is sixteen seven, and they're heading for the hills. They're done. They're going to hit the town. And the roster, I think, you know, uh, Pitt's roster looked like they were ready to do that. But you let them hang around. Uh, the good news is that you battle past it, and once you do get to that seventeen marker in the second half because Pitt scores first 
everything calms the hell down. But um, they were, they've been tested this year, man. They've been tested in a lot of different ways. Saw a bunch of people asking about Winston Wright, whether or not he regrets leaving. I don't know how to answer that necessarily. Uh, you know, somebody said, bring him back. Well, we didn't, we didn't kick him off the team. He chose to leave. So there's, that's not on Mike or anybody else. That's on Winston Wright. Yeah, but you know what? He wouldn't have done what Ja'Kai did this weekend. I'm sorry. Well, well hold on. I was going to finish this thought. Uh, guys, everybody was in love with Winston Wright. I wasn't. He's never been close to back. He's never been right. There were no indicators in practice at any point that Winston Wright was going to help you do a damn thing. Winston Wright was a, a, a non-talking point for me going into the season after watching practice. I thought there was not much he could do. He had the one catch, and everybody got excited for him because it's a good story, and we wanted him to have a catch. And it turned out to be an important one. But the truth of the matter is he was going to make zero difference to this football team. He is not a game changer. The Winston Wright that played at West Virginia – could have made a huge difference for this football team. The Winston Wright that when he made the transfer known and he was coming here was a big get, but that Winston Wright has not existed since the day of his car accident. And that's tragic and sad. And I wish him nothing but the best, but if we're talking reality, Winston Wright was going to be of no use to you this year. Yeah. I mean, he might've been able, because I think outside of Jakai, you complete three passes for 57 yards to wide receivers. Like he could have given you three for 30 this week against Pitt, but he wasn't going to go off like Jakai did. He just didn't have that explosiveness in him. And that's where, again, I come back to that point is you're pushed to a place that you don't want to go because injuries are not something you're ever going to wish for. But now with Jakai having that game under his belt and he made a couple of really tough catches over the middle of the field through traffic, through harm, He's made a couple of those now after the first couple of targets the season were dropped. Okay, his confidence is at a higher place. So when you need him because your first two or three guys are covered and it's third and 11 against Miami or Florida or Louisville, you can throw the ball his way with a little bit more confidence and he is going to play with more confidence. I just I love when you can win in these situations because you're cultivating something more than you had before the game kicked off which is other options that feel good about themselves, and the quarterback has faith in those players, too. Yeah, it's nice to be able to add, yes, layers to your offense and, and to your depth chart. Uh, anytime you can do that, that's a good thing. I agree with you. I think if you look at it the other way, you really do see also the need to have big-time game changers out on the edges in this offense. And you have it when you have Keon Coleman in the game and when you have Johnny Wilson in the game. When you don't, you're pedestrian. You're pretty pedestrian as an offense. and a lot of games would be huge struggles from week to week if we did not have two key difference makers at wide receiver. Now, Jordan is a difference maker. You won this game without those two guys, and I suspect you would win a lot of games because of Jordan and the tight ends and Mike's play calling and the defense being much better. You'd win a lot of games in the season without those two guys, but it would be this kind of a teeth pulling exercise. It would be this kind of a, a, a poke and prod and try to find a thing here and there type of offense. When you have those two players, it transforms everything that you are. And we do this a lot when we talk about a pitching staff. If you've got a four that has to be a one in your pitching rotation, well, that's a problem. Now he may be a great four, he could take out the other team's fours. You may have the best four in the league, but he's a four. He ain't a one. And if he's starting on an opening day, you're in trouble. So when you have Florida State, you have two ones. You have a you have a 1A and a 1B, and, and the 1A is certainly Keon Coleman. 
And when you have that, it changes everything about how a defense has to defend you. Pitt would not have been free to do what they did in this game had they had to worry outside that there were two playmakers. But once they knew there wasn't, they think that the rest of the players in this offense are pedestrian. And save for, obviously, Jordan Travis at quarterback, and maybe to a degree, Trey Benson at running back, they're right. There's no game-changing player that is really down-to-down somebody that flips the scoreboard for Florida State without Keon Coleman and without Johnny Wilson. So it really lets you know that you got to have a guy. You got to have a dude. You can't just be a bunch of plus players and really find you know any Saturday afternoon all that easy. When you have superstars and look around the league, look around college football, you'll find that you know, I mean, there's difference makers that change the scoreboard for these elite teams. And you know, Florida State has them. They just haven't been healthy. Yeah, I think that's where, again, you could brag on Jordan and everybody wants to talk about it. And I indulge this probably too much. But, you know, the implications of a performance on being a finalist for the Heisman or going to New York or whatever. You're just talking about personal accomplishments. Jordan has now proven in the last 14, 15 games that he could put the team on his back like he did against Florida when guys are dropping passes and the offensive line is not protecting and he'll use his legs to get you where you need to go. And then we'll figure it out from there, guys. But I got you. This time, he didn't do that with his legs. He did it with his arm. You don't have any of those targets that you're leaning upon. You don't run the ball as well as you did last year, not even close. So now it's got to fall on your arm to get the job done. And 36 pass attempts, 360 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, he's he's found another way when he doesn't have everything around him working at peak to go win the ball game. And you combine that with what I thought was his most complete passing performance a week ago at Wake, I think he's taking his game to another place, which is really awesome to see because you've got two rivalry games coming up and a conference championship game coming up. If he is reaching this level that we were all hoping we would see coming out of camp in real time, buddy, that's incredibly good news for our chances to finish this season 13-0 and and go play in the playoff. Oh, I don't disagree about that at all. I think that you have the recipe because of Jordan Travis, even with some guys dinged up to finish this regular season undefeated and to go and win an ACC championship. But I think the buck stops there if you don't get healthy. I think you got zero chance to win a playoff game if Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson are not at your service. You got to have at least one of them. If you don't have, if you don't have one of them, you're, you're going to lose that game uh, yeah, for sure. You kind of need them this weekend, you know, 14 point spread or not. You, you kind of yeah. need them this yeah. weekend, too. Yeah. Oh, without question. You are pedestrian without those two guys. Let's just say it for what it is. And that's because your offensive line is not great. Jeff yeah. Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hey seminoles we all know how important it is to score in the red zone but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone 
Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. They're making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy. The Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Right about now is the best time that you're going to have if you sign up or Orange Theory Fitness. Orange Theory Fitness OTF is something else, man. It is uh, a workout program that is proven by science, backed by science. We like that as opposed to, you know, opinions. That's a good thing. And uh, moreover, if you would have done the hills that we did last week, you would have felt a difference. My calves are burning, but more important than even that. And I'll use it a great workout with a group and awesome coaches. There are two locations in Tallahassee. You'll get the best deal you're possibly going to get if you sign up right now. So let's get on it. Let's have some fun with it. That's Orange Theory Fitness. There's one in Midtown, and there's one on the uh, north side of Tallahassee over there by Fresh Market. Tom, you'd have been impressed with the stakes I made this weekend, buddy. You would have been impressed. I nailed it. Nailed so it. It was uh, you were the equivalent of Uncle Buck with the large pancakes and the toast you couldn't fit through the door. Uh, for Bryce and his friends for the for the birthday celebration? I think I won the day, man. Saturday turned out to be awesome. The game ended at just the right time. I got to exhale. Uh, I had my my first beer of the day after that game. Um, kept it together. Just, just a lager, Tom. Just a relaxed lager as I fired up the grill and listened to some music while also watching the other football games. Immersed myself in that. And then uh, we, we did well. The food was delicious. And for I- the 16th birthday, I, I, I succeeded. It's amazing how you're more famous and dialed in than even, say, a group like Tallahassee Foodies, you know, these socialites that uh, want to tell you about all these deals. But um, I I was wondering if you were apprised and you got the memo this morning. Now that it's Miami week, I know that they were constructing a few extra Zaxby's around the Tallahassee area to make sure that they were ready for the demand for everybody coming in for this giant football game. I don't know what the total is up to, though. How many brick and mortar operations of Zaxby's are there in Tallahassee right now? Uh, 45, give or take three. Mm. So we'll have to take a look and see, but 45 or so, give or take three. I don't know. I haven't checked exactly the total just yet, but I think that's, that's the neighborhood that we're in right there. Okay. 45. That's a good number from last year as actually in this game, give or take three. That's also an interesting number from last year's game. That is correct. I think I see what you might've done there. Yeah. Yeah. And Oh, by the way, those 45, give or take three, Rick and Mortar Zaxby's are our proud Golden Chief boosters and have been for over 18 years. And oh, by the way, they're also delicious. The food is delicious. Go get you a big ass platter for the tailgate, 330 kick, 
means you get out there kind of early on your way in. You grab that platter. You set it down. You say, let's feast people. Let's enjoy ourselves. And let's get to kicking Miami's ass. Yeah, it's also not a bad idea if you roll into town, as many will, and we'll see a Corner Pocket Bar and Grill on Friday for their Yes, uh, we will. Yes, we will. You go to the Zaxby's before you head back to your hotel. If you've got a refrigerator in the hotel or you got a cooler ready to go and you get the ice, you know, those those platters, they're okay in the morning. A little, oh, they're awesome in the morning. A little chili, a little chili chicken finger for you there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Get those things in advance. And truly speaking, honestly, for the five Tallahassee locations that are definitely 100% confirmed, here on the Jeff Cameron Show. Yeah. Rolling in town this weekend for Zaxby's, and you support somebody who supports the football program. It's going on 19 years. I got to check. The 19th year, we might have already crossed that threshold. Yeah. Uh, but go, go. Then this year, we had to have. Yeah. Yep. yep. Everywhere you enter town, they're waiting for you. It's nicely, nicely designed by uh, Danny and Zaxby's. I can see Ira backstage, ready to jump on the program. I'm ready to talk to him. Let's see him. There he is. Irashfell, Warchant.com, joins me on the Jeff Cameron Show as he's wont to do Mondays. Hello, Ira. How are you, buddy? I'm great. How are you? I'm well. I know that it's not this show that they're a sponsor of, but right smack dab in the middle of doing this show, our friends at Artesian Water dropped off the bottles, buddy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Did you forget to put yours out? I might have. (laughs) See the look on your face. I feel like I just got called on my homework assignment. I saw the, ooh, ooh. Mm. Hey, buddy, we're right. close to each other. He's in the neighborhood. As soon as you get done with the hit, race out there. Right. Let's go. I will. I will. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so I thought this was a gutsy win. I don't know what you have heard yeah. us talk about today or not. I thought it was a gutsy win. You're out you're without half your team. Once Pitt realizes, oh, there's no special weapons on the outside. They're all hurt. We're just going to make sure Jordan Travis can't run the ball on us. We're going to make sure they don't run the ball, period. And we'll take our chances because that secondary is not terrible. And I thought it was a good plan by Pitt. But when you're a team that has toughness both mentally and physically and you have a quarterback like Jordan and you have some guys that are program guys like Ja'Kai Douglas and you got a good coach who can figure it out over time, uh, I think you can find a way to win these kinds of games. I think this is a snapshot of why the program is so much better off right now than it was, say, two years ago. They've been able to build to a moment where not everything has to be right for the, them to win, Ira. In fact, a lot can be wrong, and they find ways to win now. Yeah, I agree with all that. I thought, you know, it was a pretty daunting task if you think about it. You know, again, if you put your, yourself in Jordan Travis's shoes or really anybody in the offense's shoes – then you're sitting there and you're like, okay, we don't have maybe four of our top wide receivers, maybe five totally are not totally uh, healthy. And then you look at the defense you're playing, who's a pretty good defense anyway, then the style of defense that they play, and then the fact that they know they're daring you to throw the football. Yeah. Uh, I just think it was a really daunting task. And so I think they get credit on both sides. I think you give this entire team credit for, one, uh, making the plays they had to when they were shorthanded. But number two – and this is is it's harder to quantify, but I think it's just as important. Is as you're alluding to, like there was you never sensed any panic or frustration or desperation. There was very much a, an attitude of okay, let's keep chopping wood, let's keep make doing what we have to do to give us ourselves a chance to win this game. And eventually they did that. But sometimes in a game like that, when things, especially when things aren't going well for you, the Tofili fumble, um, you know, you get stopped on a fourth down. All those things are kind of piling up you could beat yourself by trying to do too much or trying to, or get dejected. And you didn't see any of that. I just thought, I thought it spoke to the, the maturity of this team as much as just the fact that they had the ability to overcome. 
I want your big picture assessment. I tried to give it to start the show, and I did so in a salty manner, telling the rest of the ACC that they can go to hell. Wasn't that far uh, long ago, I should say, that you and I and everybody else in the War Chant staff found ourselves up in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina, and we could hear very clearly, clearly the, uh, the snickering, the disdain, the question marks surrounding this program. How dare you? You guys have been awfully boisterous for a group that hasn't won a damn thing in forever, and now we're supposed to believe you're going to be great, carry the day. They were almost as if they were saying to Florida State, you better be with all this talk and this, this attempt to get out of the conference. Well, guess what? They are. They've just stamped their ticket to Charlotte. They're the best team in the ACC, and they're the ACC's last hope of anything meaningful. It's all Florida State all the time, and it has to hurt their soul. It's a beautiful thing to think about how much they're squirming right now knowing that their beloved duke fell off a cliff and north carolina fell off a cliff and they have nobody else they can rely on but florida state but i also think big picture as much as that schadenfreude feels good it speaks to how far this team has come even from last year but go back two years ago certainly five and seven to where they are now the lone bright spot in the acc yeah i'm gonna have to go back and listen to that first hour because that sounds if that's just a snippet that's of the vitriol, yeah. I want to I want to go back and soak it all up because I think yeah. that's a great point. Yeah, and, like and, and, and we are a little bit more sensitive to it because we do probably consume more of the ACC media than some than maybe just a, a normal Florida State fan may might because we we're in the media and we're we're, we're seeing more of what's out there. Um, but yeah, I thought all summer it was ridiculous um, in the ACC kickoff, uh, but then even going into the season, there was just this this pushback to the national narrative. Nationally, if you go back to the spring, people, Mark Schleybaugh, other people in college football were putting Florida State as a team that might be one of the top three or four teams in the country back going into last spring or and certainly coming out of last spring. And But in the ACC, it was just feeling like you just kept hearing, well, why are you guys complaining so much? Who, What have you guys done lately? Right. You guys And you guys can't even beat Wake Forest. Well, you know what? They did beat Wake Forest. And you know what? They're now 7-0 in the conference. They've clinched an appearance in the ACC championship game with like a month to go. Uh, they've run roughshod over this conference. So, yeah, man, it, it is. Uh, it, and uh, if if you're uh, Michael Alford and if you're Mike Norvell, think about how confident Michael Alford was and Mike Norvell was when they went to the ACC spring meetings a year ago and they were talking that talk about the conference and what Florida State should get, what, what portion of the revenue Florida State should get because they deserve it based on TV ratings. Now you go back into their next year. Just imagine the swagger that Michael Alford is going to walk. It's going to, those Vince McMahon memes are going to be uh, sprouting up all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still think they've got to be loud about getting out of here. Oh, it ain't going to sure. get that much better anytime soon. Let's keep on ringing the bell. The emergency red button has to be mashed over and over and over again, especially now that you have leverage. You didn't have it before. Well, not as much as you have it now. And now you can really be uh, boastful about it. Uh, I think Florida State's here to stay in this conversation of ACC championships for as long as they remain in the conference and this coaching staff is in place. I think it's only going to get better. Uh, yes, they're going to lose some key pieces at the end of this year, but I think that they're building on things. We're seeing this now, and they have a chance to bring in an elite class, and you know they're going to hit the portal again. So they're going to continue to rise the ranks and be consistent. It'll be a 12-team playoff next year. Florida State should be in that. It, it gets fun. All right, now i got to get to the, the gist of what we're all thinking which is, okay, Florida State ought to, you look at the percentages according to Vegas, they ought to finish the regular season undefeated. Miami is reeling. They're coming off a six-point performance against NC State. Florida now has a bunch of tough games in a row to close out their season after losing at home to Arkansas. You got a chance to bury your in-state rivals, but you can't do all of this with relative ease unless you get healthy. And 
I hinted last week that this team was not healthy, but I we're not allowed to say certain things, as you well know. We think we're all right for Saturday. I mean, are we getting close to getting back to something that resembles full strength in the wide receiver room as far as we know? Did you get any sense of that from Mike Norbell today? Yeah, I thought, you know, if you look at the words he used when, when Corey asked him about that today, the words aren't super strong. You know, he's never going to be super definitive with injuries either way because he wants to leave the wiggle room, even if he knows, even if he knew today that everybody was going to be available. He wouldn't say that because then we would know a week from now or two weeks from now when he's not as definitive. Oh, right. Okay, that must mean they're not. So he's never going to be real definitive either way with injuries. But when when the way Corey asked the question, the way Norvell responded, basically start laughing like at the idea that, yes, they are going to come back. And then he said, like he, he almost interrupted him to say, yeah, it's going to be a lot better. Like it was almost like he couldn't control his enthusiasm about the fact that he expects them to be back. Then when you actually look at the words, uh, and maybe I'm reading too much into that, but that's just my feeling being there. And then when you look at the words, he said, you know, a lot more guys participated Sunday night than had been participating last week. I still think Mike Norvell is never going to admit it. And if they had lost that game, it would have looked like a colossal disaster. If that's what he did, I still believe that maybe a couple of those guys could have played if they were playing Miami last week. They were not. They were playing Pitt. And I think there's a good chance they'll be closer to full strength this Saturday. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I, I think there's no question that if this were a championship game right. or a game that could vault you into the playoff or something like that, he would have had to ask some guys to suck it up and play, and they probably could have. But I think if you have the opportunity to ensure that you're going to be healthy the rest of the way by giving certain guys an extra week, why would you not do it? That also speaks, Ira, I mean, while we're talking about it, that speaks to a whole lot of trust, man. That is a coach telling what players he does have available, I trust you to get the job done despite not having the very best players we have on this roster, not named Jordan Travis. I mean, they were missing really big-time players. You know, it's one thing to say, okay, well, we're out Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson, but we have Akeem Williams and a healthy Vendravius Jacobs today. No, you don't. You don't have Akeem Williams. You don't have a healthy Vendravius Jacobs. Okay, well, you know, we'll have a healthy Portier. and what? No, no, you don't. No, you don't. So this this was a really kind of a nerve-wracking test of faith. You know, it's like when you leave your kids at home for the first time and you're like, all right, now I trust you, but you really don't. You get in that car with your wife and you're like, man, I'm afraid we're going to come home to. They got to pass the test. Especially if they're too young to know how to use the phone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, no, that's a great point. And, and I think it speaks to two things. One is if you think about the way he's coached this year, I think there's a, you know, again, he's never going to say anything to disrespect opponents. But I think if you go back to the decisions he's made in some of these games, some of the decisions to go for it on fourth down yeah. on his own side of the 50, uh, just to be aggressive in different situations, I think he thinks they're much better than everybody they played, uh, maybe other than Clemson and LSU. I think he thinks that these teams can't beat them unless something just catastrophic happens. So I think, you know, that's, I think that gives you some confidence in that situation. The other thing I think it really says is, and give this coaching staff a lot of credit for making some chicken salad with what they had in terms of Jordan throws for 360 yards, yeah. but in the most unorthodox of ways. I mean, all the screens they had to run and and, and hitting different so many different targets and getting Ja'Kai to, to turn in a career performance. Uh, I mean, again, all of that speaks to really a, a tremendous job by a coaching staff that didn't have, I mean, it's got to be it's going to be pretty easy to coach an offensive game plan with the talent they've had for the first most of the first eight or nine weeks. 
But Saturday was a challenge, and, I mean, the coaching staff deserves credit too. It's a fun time. Fun time to be covering Florida State. Nobody does it better than Irish Fell. I'll talk to you tomorrow, brother. Be good. Thanks, guys. All right, take care. Irish Fell, as I say, and have been for many years now, Warchant.com. It'll be fun this week. I think the um, the casual observers of practice, the ones that once the season starts who don't go out every week, that'd be me. I don't go out there every week once the season starts, um, are going to be a little bit more interested, perhaps, in, uh, in who's at practice and who isn't. So maybe uh, a guest appearance this week, Tom, from uh, yours truly, as we uh, want to make sure that the dudes are ready to ball. I hate Miami. Make sure we have our guys. Somebody's going to say, oh, my stars, when they see you at uh, at practice uh, this week. I haven't been in some time myself because there's other side projects. to There's get things done. we got to do. And listen, here's the deal. My situation has always been, and I've said this before, go to all the practices you can before the start of the season so you can get a sense of what the team is and what they're trying to do and what they're trying to build and what the depth chart's going to look like. Once the season starts, I see them every Saturday. I know exactly what's going what. I see them in games. I have real evidence to know what they are. I don't need to see what happens on Wednesday. I'm going to see it on Saturday. This is uh, in this one. The sequence in the schedule is good because of what we've done to schedule out games, not necessarily what the league has done, but that you can air it out against Miami, and then you play North Alabama yes. at 6:30 the next week, and then air it out for Florida in the ACC championship game. This is. You're talking to Ira about injuries and and could they have gutted it out if it was a playoff or a championship game setting or rivalry game this past weekend? Sounds like for both of you, the answer is kind of yeah. But this is one now where if you give me everything you got, Keon, I don't need eight for 122 and two touchdowns against North Alabama, young man. You could chill for that one. You, You don't even have to return a single punt. So give me everything you got this week. We'll give you another break. That's two weeks out of three. We're gonna give you a breather and then get ready for Florida and get ready to go to Charlotte. It's just this is, if you're going to do it, and you're going to play two emotional games like this, this is how you space it out and give them a chance to rest up, get healthy. Because if we are healthy down the stretch, we are going to go 13-0. and It's just you've got to make sure that we have all those weapons at our disposal. I think the thing, too, and I know we got to get a break, but I, I it'll be an interesting choice uh, in that North Alabama game, just in terms of what you do and don't do. Um, you know, I think they'll they'll still play some starters in that game, just not a lot. I agree with you, but I, I'm going to be watching beyond the receivers. Really want to see what the offensive line is in these big games that lay in wait. You know, what what is this offensive line against Miami? What is this offensive line against Florida? What is it in the ACC championship game? I think that is the key factor moving forward for Florida State when you start talking about can they have any success if they do what they're supposed to do in these games in which they're favored in the remainder of the season, they've got to get something close to right on this offensive line to have any shot against the teams we project to make it into the college football playoff. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com.
Jeff Cameron Show. Thanks for listening to it. Glad to have you on board. Nearly a thousand of you in here in the chat. Still tens of thousands of more driving around Tallahassee. And of course, the hundreds of thousands that will download the podcast. Oh man, does it feel good to be number one at all things broadcasting. And that's because of my skill, Tom's elite ability, and Director Matthew, and then, of course, your interest in that excellence. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. I, are, you, are you chuckling over there? What is? <laughs> uh, it must be Miami week. It must be Miami week. You're, you're talking about dominance and excellence, and yeah. uh, you're, you're citing numbers. <laughs> yeah. well, it's, it's true. It's an amazing skill. Um, but, but, you know, hey. We've built it up along the way with our great audience. We'll see everybody that's going to come to town over at Corner Pocket Bar and Grill on Friday where we'll share a tasty beverage, man, and uh, and talk about this uh, this program. Maybe not the show, but the football program. And uh, we'll talk about the uh, opportunities that uh, lay in wait for Florida State if they're able to get this win. And just a few more now, just a few more now. It's, uh, it's that time. You like to call it nut-cutting time. And the, I, I heard that time indeed. I heard that in a press conference the last week. I can't remember which one. I don't know if it was on Coach Speak or not, but somebody said nut cutting time in a presser. At any rate, it, it's just been a, a weird season in that there were so many eggs put into the September basket, and for for good reason that you're starting with LSU and then you got a roadie at Clemson, so you're just obsessing for months and months about can you go at least three and one, if not four and zero. Oh. As it turns out, it's a good thing you went 4-0 and because 3-1 and probably would not have been good enough. Where would we be ranked right now if we had split those two games? Eighth? Seventh? Somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah, you'd be on the outside, yeah. And you'd need a lot of help in order to get in. So you go 4-0, and and then you have a bye week, and you play a lot of ACC teams that, shall we say, don't rate on television very well, don't do much for you in terms of moving the needle. Like your best game in that stretch is Duke because Duke is overachieving. Okay. And then you get to the final act of the season, the final quarter of the season in the, in terms of the 12 game regular season. And two of the three games are against your in-state rivals, your arch rivals. So there's, I, I'm feeling that extra juice. And like I, I was always excited on a Monday to break down an old win and the next game, but we've waited a long time for the feeling of we're playing Miami and we're playing Florida and it's finally here. And it adds a little extra pizzazz in November. And I think you got to get pumped up for it if you're a player, not just because it's a rivalry game, but because that other team really doesn't have a lot to play for, save for beating you. And they're going to bring everything they have. I mean, everybody knows what it's like to be in a spoiler role. We watch this happen all the time. We see upsets occur because of it. So you're going to have their undivided attention. And whatever the best version of themselves, whatever that is, you're going to get. Because nobody wants to lose a rivalry game, sucks, and nobody wants to be on the wrong side of a really ugly beatdown like Miami was a year ago, 45-3. to three. There's no way that they haven't spent uh, much of their free time thinking about how humiliating it is to get beat 45-3 to three and to really show no fight, to have your quarterback ragdoll and look like a bitch, to actually have no competitive juice whatsoever about you that has to sit wrong with you for the course of an entire year i mean you were made to look uh, like a small child against men and in that moment there's no way to shake that off you walk around the city somebody finds out you play for miami they ask you what it feels like to play before ten thousand people and to get ragdolled and humiliated by your arch rival and you have to wear that all you can do is order your food and move it along to the next game and hope like hell that somebody doesn't recognize you the next time you go out that's the situation they find themselves in. So you know they're going to play hard as to try to avoid that 
year-long humiliation that they have felt consistently for the last 300 and something days. Yeah, my hope is that uh, Tyler Van Dyke doesn't summon some sort of extra adrenaline because he's playing in front of a real college football audience. I mean, he's been on record before saying that it's he likes going on the road and playing road games because it's it's actual college football. It's not like what he sees at home. It's it's he real. Said college. that indeed. He did. He's, those are his words. Yeah, uh, his words, not mine. And yeah. so my hope is that there's not some sort of inspiration that can help him overcome the physical discomfort that he feels with multiple injuries that he's playing through. We know that the best version of Tyler Van Dyke when he's healthy, to be serious for a moment, is formidable. Uh, so if Miami can summon that, this could get interesting. But I just love that this year, this game is here. Like last year, it was perfect that we take that show on the road and, and show Miami what it is that we're all about. And so they can see because they they like to pack that building out once every two years. And that's when the show. Up. Yeah, when we're there, yeah. And so they got to leave at halftime and they said, <laughs> what a waste of time. And then you see a different contingent of Miami fans make their way up to Tallahassee, believing against reality, what they can or cannot do. And here we are in this moment where we can be 10 and 0. We're going to be, if you go 10 and 0, you're going to be 11 and 0. And then you focus on Thanksgiving week of completing a 12 and 0 season, which this would be the third time since 2013, since the beginning of 2013, that we would have a 12 and 0 regular season. I know Miami fans believe that they're going to go 12 and 0 every August. They believe it in their hearts. But they haven't gone 12-0 since, I don't know when, before I was in high school. I'm not really sure last time they've been 12-0. So this could be the third time since 2013 we could be on that path. You just got to take care of business this weekend and hope that Tyler Van Dyke isn't inspired by playing in a real college football atmosphere. He said those words, and it is awesome. I will answer your question as to uh, the last time Miami went 12-0. You're going to have to go back to 2001. Hmm. 2001 now they I turned, did uh, i turned 15 years old in 2001 they went 12 and 1 in 2002 these were heady times things began to fall off from there they went 11 and 2 9 and 3 9 and 3 7 and 6 5 and 7 7 and 6 9 and 4 7 and 6 6 and 6 7 and 5 9 and 4 6 and 7 7 and 5 9 and 4 Three, six, seven, five, four losses, five losses, three losses, four losses, five and seven. Whole lot of sucking for a very long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. That's their reality, though, not ours. You know, like you, you say all those things and I start to feel the weight of that. I'm like, man, that's a lot of losses. That's a, oh, wait a minute. That's not that's not our reality. Now, we've had a lot of losing in the last uh, 20 years, but not on that level. Not even close to that level. We've had a lot of winning, too, and this is one of those years. Yep, tough times there. Let's just add to it. Let's make sure that those losses continue to mount, and then you go from there. I um, I think about a program that is on the precipice of sustaining a high level of play for a very long time. I think Florida State is. It's impossible, and this week it checks. It checks my forward thinking. Because I, I can singularly focus on hating Miami and wanting to beat Miami. I can do that. Um, some teams cause me to wander, and I start thinking about what we have to do in the offseason and the need for heavy financial investment into the battle's end and how it is that we can remedy some of the problems we see now and, I think, expedite our trek towards being uh, the elite of the elite. And Miami allows me to think just about beating their ass. Agreed. 
this is one where if you're going to do anything in the neighborhood of what you did last year, it starts with the defense. I mean, like the pregame show on Saturday, it's going to be Miami, so it's got its own juice and it's got its own feel. I look forward to being there on the seventh floor of Hotel Indigo. But, you know, since the bye week, it's been, well, if the defense comes out firing, then that's it. <laughs> because the offense will start getting in a, in a rhythm and then you get up a couple scores and, and this puppy's over. But if we're sniffing anything close to 45 to three this year, it's because the defense leaves no doubt in the first half of the game. And I look forward to breaking that down as the week goes. My condolences to uh, David Ross, who was fired today by the Cubs. I've known David for a long time since he was a minor league prospect uh, back in the day and uh, all the way through his playing days. And then obviously winning a world series and then becoming a manager for the Cubs. So it's a hell of a run. Hopefully he gets another chance. Good job out of you, director, Matthew. Good job, Tom Lang. Thanks to everybody who joined us and, Listen to the program and add it to the chat. We'll talk to you again really soon. Be well, everybody. Peace.